Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. You're listening to After Law, broadcasting from the beautiful South Berlin, except no suffrage. Hello dear listeners, welcome to Achtung Millwall, being recorded in the immediate aftermath of this afternoon's 2-1 defeat at Hull City. Joining me to chew over the cud of what I found to be quite a frustrating loss is the man himself, Mr Ryan Loftus. How are you doing, Ryan? I'm very well, Nick. I hope you are gathered around a fire, keeping warm on these, these harsh winter evenings that we've got now drawing in and, you know, like you say, a frustrating game of football to watch, but... Uh... Easier yeah. from the comfort of your own home than from the, the stands of the MKM Stadium, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, first up, full full congratulations to the travelling. I think they said 600 on um, yeah. Max's commentary, which sounded incidentally, listeners, for anyone listened on the iFollow stream, um, it's Max sounded like he was at the bottom of the briny ocean. There was a song yeah. that my daughter used to watch in The Little Mermaid. It had the crabs on the seabed singing, and that's what Max sounded like for the for the for the game. And Jimmy Carter when he when he joined. Um, was that four four two we saw this afternoon, Mister Loftus? Um, am I detecting a four four two? Was that? Was, was it that... looked it looked like it, didn't it? I mean, it looked a bit like it on um in midweek on, on Wednesday against Bournemouth as well. Obviously. Rowett spoke about a bit of flexibility in it, but it looked like that again, and yeah. potentially again a bit more flexible with with Murray Wallace kind of tucking in on the left and and Danny Mac pushing a bit further forward, and uh, Ojo kind of working back further than Jed, but definitely getting dangerously close to a four four two. And I think a fair play to Rowett for you know he's, he's changing it up. It might have taken him longer than than sometimes yeah. would like to kind of give it a mix up, but he saw it worked well. Um, against Bournemouth and, and thought he'd give it a go. I mean, on the road, you know, it's not something we've seen a lot from Rauer of It's a real attacking lineup, you know, even more attacking potentially than Wednesdays. Obviously, it's against a, a weaker opposition than, than Bournemouth are supposed to be. But, um, you know, it, it's an attacking lineup that we don't see often, especially on the road from Rauer. So it was um, an interesting no. one to see. I'm today starting 11 listeners. I've, I've written down in 4-4-2 formation just because it's the one that always springs into my head. Um, but Bart in goal, we've got Murray Wallace, Hutch, Ballard, Danny Mack across the back line, then the midfield of uh, Jed Wallace, Jules Savile, Billy Mitch and Shay Ojo, and then the front two, Benny Kofobe and, and, and uh, Tom Bradshaw. Um, as you say, remarkably um, open style. I mean, one of the things I've written to myself, we are speaking in the immediate aftermath of the game listeners, which gives you very little time to form up any kind of thoughts, comments, structure or anything you know we pride ourselves on at least being reasonably coherent on this show 
So one of the things I wrote down to was half mischievously and half half um, meaning it, really. But we can't call for open styles of football, Ryan, without the other side of that coin, is that you win some, you lose some with, with open styles of 4-4-2 play, don't you? Yeah, it was it was pretty end to it. I mean, to be fair, I, I, I thought a loss, you know, we said just, just before we did start recording, the loss was really harsh, I think, mm. on the side. I think my main thing the whole way through the game, I was thinking to myself is, I've seen us play so much worse than this, this season, <laughs> and not lose, get a draw, or even sometimes nick a win. And I've seen us play so much worse than that. I thought we played really well with it. They were really brave on possession. Um, yeah, yeah. Playing out from the back, really under pressure and and doing it quite successfully. I mean, in the, the conditions as well, it's, you know, you can't necessarily blame them or anything in t- terms of both teams are playing in it, but it does make it bloody hard to to get any, like, I think the, the commentary I was listening to, you know, kept mentioning how the ball was just being sliced and skidding off the pitch. I mean, you know, potentially a record for the amount of throws in a game in that one. It was so disjointed. Yeah. And, that probably benefits you as the away side. Can't let Hull, who you know, Hull are in good form themselves, and I think that's that's five wins in a row now. I think for them, but, yeah, um, yeah. You know, I think I think Millwall played Millwall played well. We we built up well. Um, it's just the same old issue, similar to what we saw again on Wednesday night, where once we get in and around that box and that um, that final third, we do struggle with ideas. Um, I thought Phoebe and and Bradshaw linked up quite well. I don't know how often we've seen them two up top together. But they yeah. obviously combined the goal, but I thought they looked like they were causing trouble. And and then with Jed and, Defoe, um, and Ojo out wide, yeah. you know, it seems a lot to think about. Um, that's good pacing behind, good movement, and it, it that it's threatening. I, I like Tom Bradshaw. I, I like the Bradshaw and a phobie combination. One thing I would say, and I had no football intellectual listeners. I, I you know, there was an article on on Twitter in the week where some guy had written like a a, a, a university treatise on on the on the the uh, thoughts and philosophies of, of Bournemouth. And you know, to me, at the end of the day, it's it, it all comes down to who's creating the most chances. And today, we're calling that a four four two stance that we took. We created the best of the early chances. I mean, there was an early one I've written down here. A phobie headed over from a, a, a Jed cross. Mm. Um, and Ojo passed to find phobie. He's kind of pushed rightwards slightly, but it was tipped over. So the yeah. shot was on target. Um, then scramble inside the box from the resulting corner, Ryan. I mean, the early chances, we, we on another day, we might have been one, possibly two ahead by the time... Sadly, um, a slight lapse, I thought, in, in defensive um, application allowed Hull to take the lead. But, um, I mean, certainly the, the, the first half an hour, pretty much, we were with a brighter side by some some distance, I thought. Yeah, I think it was that was pretty much the way of the game. I think when we did go 1-0 down, it did feel incredibly harsh. I mean, pretty much exactly the same as the second as well. It had been all Millwall, um, you know, half chances again, not not fully fledged, like big, big open chances. But like yeah. you say, the Afobi one that way he slid in by Ojo probably just goes a bit wide again, like the skiddy pitch makes those passes that a little bit harder to play. And then Afobi's just off balance where hits it pretty much straight at the keeper, a bit high, but you know, either side and it's probably going to go in. You know, yeah. we saw his finish on Wednesday. He can definitely do it. So it's just those 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 small margins. And then yeah, to get to get that kind of sucker punch to go one nil down. It was it was really poor from Danny Mac. I think I think he'll you know be the first to hold his hands up for that. I think him he rushed out position there, didn't he, to try and yeah yeah. It didn't even look like the ball was there to win though. To be honest, like watching it back, you know, it doesn't it doesn't look like the ball's really there to win. I mean, to be honest, he's lucky to get away with the booking as well because it was not a good challenge on the the whole man. And then 
it leaves a bit of a gap. Ballard has to go out and fill in, and that leaves Hutchinson two v one in the middle, and and kind of Danny Mac kind of trying to fill back in, but but in the middle of nowhere really, and it's 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 a, it's a, an evidence for you know Rowett's maybe reluctance to play him all the time. Obviously, he's well, I was just going to say the same, Ryan. I mean, yeah. you know, I Danny Mac is a Millwall fan. Um, he's a Millwall player. <laughs> I mean that in the best possible sense of the word, in that he's clearly talented. Um, some of the, the forward runs he made and, and just the sheer amount of um, persistence and, and, and relentlessness that he brought to the game. I mean, you could both have him as a contender for man of the match and also a villain of the piece to give away um, yeah. the, the first goal, certainly, um, and getting caught out of position. I can see how a player like that would annoy a manager, especially one who values discipline as much as Gary Rowett does. I mean, that's not. I'm, I'm not going to criticise Danny Mack because I think he brings that that bit of energy and and um, the wild card that we that we've craved all season. So, as we've said already, you can't complain at sterile discipline football and then moan when you get beat because that's always going to be yeah. the the possibility, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And it's it's a it's a classic kind of championship conundrum of. I think Harris used to say it when he was manager and, and, and Jacket as well, even when he got promoted. It's really hard to blood youngsters in, in the division because yeah, yeah. You know, Danny Mack is a very young player and you know, re- is very inexperienced at this level, you know, only only came back last January and, and was in and out of the side. Um picked up an injury as well and you know, so he's not had loads of minutes at championship level. He's still learning, you know, how to be a player at this level and so he's gonna make mistakes and and you have to accept that and that's what's hard. The championship, it's it's points are so valuable and mistakes, you know, you make a mistake, it costs you a goal. Yeah. Whereas you know, lower down, you do kind of get away with them every now and then. But that's the, you know, that's the risk you that's take. That's the level we're at. And, yeah. and I, you know, a lot of Millwall fans would rather see him in there making mistakes occasionally. But like you say, and his, his reaction and his character to to come on, and I thought he was, yeah, one of the best players on the pitch in the second half. His yeah. delivery was a little bit wanting and Couple of times, I mean, at one point he was trying to swim across the turf when he did lose his foot. <laughs> really struggled to get back up. I wasn't sure what was happening there, but um, but no, he, you know, delivery could have been a bit better. But he was getting forward, causing problems. Obviously, he had his shot as well, and and that great tackle, him and a combination of him and Ballard at the other end. Yeah, to, uh, yeah, to keep yeah. out of goal. So you know, he maybe costs one and saves another. And in the there grand, is. grand yeah. scheme of things, Nicky, he balances it out, and you know, in the end, another day he could have got a, the equaliser at least. No, there it is. I mean, there's, there's, there's your, there's your, you know, the, the, the thing in a nutshell, listeners. Um, so I'm not here to uh, damn Danny Mack. I'm here to praise him because um, it was a game that was always going to be a tough one. You know, the whole city is the proverbial long northern trip and conditions today were extremely, got worse actually as, as the game, well, it seemed to get worse looking from the comfort of my living room at this TV screen. Um, the equalising goal, I mean, we were a bit under the cosh after we went 1-0 down. I thought that they, they stretched us a little bit, Ryan. But uh, going into half-time, I thought, well, you know, the, the chance to to regroup slightly. But um, my spirits were raised greatly by what was a beautiful goal. I mean, that pass from a phobie to find Bradshaw, for me, is one of my moments of the season. It, it was a wonderful piece of artistry, that through ball. Yeah. A fantastic goal on his weaker foot as well. And I've said it a lot of times on here is how often do you see Millwall getting strikers through on goal and finishing well? And, you know, yeah, we've seen absolutely. it two games now, Phoebe getting his one on Wednesday and, and Bradshaw, you know, a fantastic pass. I mean, the, the line from Hull was really high up. Um, 
and you know you think they might have seen from from Wednesday that Mill were really getting in behind at the moment. But we don't see that very often. But they seem to have added that to the game, and it's a great pass from a The finish from Bradshaw is excellent. I mean, to he it looks quite simple, you know, going through one on one. You'd always expect the striker to score, but he just lifts it enough that the keeper just yeah. has no chance. And you know, it, he's pretty central and and gets it nice in the corner and just makes it look a lot easier, I think, than it was. And that's what Bradshaw can do. Like I think with his goal droughts as they come, you forget how good a finisher he is, and a lot of that goal drought does come from just a lack of chances. But, you know, in front of goal, he's, he is an excellent finisher. And when he gets a bit of confidence, obviously, scored a couple a few weeks ago. And this season is it seems to be coming back to, to goal scoring form to an extent, mm. at least. He's getting goals. Um, that's what he's capable of. And and I think, like I said before, about him and Afobi linking up really well, really yeah. complements each other. You know, Bradshaw's not as tall as Afobi. I think Afobi has... They both press really well and they both harry defenders quite a lot. Afobi probably is a bit stronger, but... You can see you can see either of them playing that ball in, and like it was on on Wednesday, it was Bradshaw playing a flick on for a phobia, and and this yeah. time it's literally just the reverse. And if those two can get a bit of a run in the side together and and get that bit of chemistry up, you know, it, it looks like it could be a an interesting partnership at least. I mean, again, it's something I wanted to raise or suggest or put it out there. I don't know if listeners would agree with this, but. 4-4-2 seems to offer more chances of partnerships to build in that way. I mean, you've got the classic when Marlon was in his in his prime, the Marlon and Jed partnership, for example. Um, and obviously, you know, we go back further with some of the classics. But um, in that team today, I thought Danny Mack and Jed combined, uh, Ojo as well, often um, combined well. Um, and then the Aphobia and Bradshaw double act as well. I think that's that's interesting. And it's something I want to see developed we haven't had a proper partnership it seems to me at Mill for some time so that was a beautiful goal um I know that goals of the season are often spectacular shots from distance aren't they because they catch the eye but that for me is a contender for anyone's goal of the season because of the way that the the weight of the ball through and then the execution of what is looks a simple chance but as you've just said there Ryan is not you know that's mm. How many times have we seen a John Daddy put that wide uh, over the bar yeah. or, you know, down the road or something? Right, yeah, the keeper. Yeah, I think it's, yeah. it's a classic. And I, I, I like that point as well about the partnerships. I mean, the last partnership really is that Marlon and Jed, especially yeah. when Rowett came back in. They, they yeah. two, The two of them for, for half a season potentially were unstoppable down that right-hand side. And 4-4-2 does give you that. Um, you know, you can get the wingers and the full-backs, you can get the centre-backs and you get the strikers and obviously the centre-mids all, like, all over the pitch here. It just yeah. works up the, the shape of it well. But I like the, you know, the, the flexibility that Rowett seems to be putting in as well. You know, with, with Murray Wallace at left back, he can, it's very easy to change in and out of the five um, to the four. You know, if, if, if Ojo at times was working back really well, I thought Ojo had a, a decent game without being fantastic. Um, but, you know, if it's Ojo there, if it's Malone, it's quite easy to adapt it in game and, and you know, let Danny Mac push on a bit more when you've got that defensive cover of of Murray Wallace. So it looks of of the last two performances, I'd say how Mill were starting to set up with two out and out strikers up front as well, regardless of what the shape is. Yeah, it it looks like Rower is coming onto something, and it looks like it. This is going to be effective. I mean, again, I th- yeah, I agree. Yeah. Still creating chances maybe around the box, but we definitely added more. Definitely add more today and. It's really, it was the rub of the green. I really felt in so many like the in the second half, the 
Hole managed to scramble away a couple, that that one where the defender kind of flicked it and it came across and Afobi tried to put it back in. And any other day that, you know, that goes in. And even their two goals, there were a hint of fortune about both of them. The, the cross that came in was kind of missed header and then it almost mm. hit the, their, their attacker in the face. And the it's second one was Hart, yeah, bouncing yeah, and the second one with Hart not quite clearing it with yeah. the save and Millwall, even the defenders trying to not quite clear in the cross that had come in. It's it really was sort of rubber the green game for me. Yeah, no, I, I was just looking at the second goal, ping pong. It was, it was kind of toing and throwing inside the six-yard box. Um, we, we didn't clear it, so I suppose you've got to put it down to our account in that sense. Luck plays its part, listeners, of course. Conditions were, I don't know if they were worsening in reality for those that went up there. It looked like it was worsening from, you know, um, from the from the TV coverage. Rain and sleet and, and a kind of a general northern grimness. So, Sometimes these these moments, if you keep putting the ball into danger areas, Ryan, you're going to get a chance, and that's what happened for for two one. Um, we did continue to create chances thereafter. I mean, Ojo uh, bubbling across the six yard box um, on sixty minutes, and um, when Smith came on in sixty six, the ball seemed to be cleared off the line. From the from mm. my my take on it, anyway, um, I think the removal of of um, Ojo. For Bennett, I don't know. It didn't didn't quite spark us. There was no. Um, we seemed to lose a little bit of, of something once Shea and also Tom Bradshaw once he left the pitch. We just seemed to lose a little bit of energy after yeah. those two subs. I, I don't know if that's um, fair. Um, no, I, I thought that myself. I thought I thought the subs. I wasn't. I thought I thought it was a bit early for Matt Smith. Would he come on just after yeah. sixty or so minutes? I yeah, thought, I agree. Thought, yeah. Especially in those sort of conditions where the ball is swirling up in the air and it, it's that windy, you know knocking long balls isn't going to be super effective because they're going to get held up in the air and, and yeah. defenders have a chance to read them. And I did think the subs today, you know, potentially in the wrong order. I mean, Bennett normally has a bit of an impact and he, and he did, to be fair, like towards the end of the game, he started running at his fullback a bit. But, yeah, yeah. But it, it, yeah, it did It did change the game probably for the worst for Millwall. Not that whole, like, massively came back into it, but it did change the, the pace of it and the, the dynamism that we had. I think, I think Smith is... Definitely, uh, last twenty minutes at least. I think you're bringing on for half an hour. It can be quite. You're asking a lot of early, and and then yeah. you're setting your ways. I think you know. Rowett said that about why he didn't bring him on against against Bournemouth. You know about that the fact that it changes the tempo of the game massively. And uh, yeah, yeah. To comment again on our squad depth, really, isn't it? I mean, the fact that George Evans is the third player to come on. That's not really a. That's you know the equivalent of putting Keith and Beld on to to see out a game. Really, it's not an inspiring change that's going to drive I mean, forward. To point out that I made to myself, I mean Evans came in um, late eighty one minutes. He came on for Savile. Um, George Savile Ryan doesn't look the same player. He was anonymous for large chunks of the game today for me. Um, now I don't know if I'm being unfair on the boy or, or what, but he just doesn't seem to have. I mean, when I, I thought to myself, when Evans came in, that's a better that we're improving our midfield with that substitution, although albeit with nine minutes to go. <clears throat> I, I wonder what what the problem is with George Savile. He doesn't seem to be the same player at all. How, how do you see him? Yeah, I, I made the exact same note. To be honest, I've made it partway through the first half. Really, he he looked. I think people have been commenting saying, you know, he he's not really been doing anything, not being no, as effective. No. And, you know, he he set really high standards when he came. When he left, obviously his final season was so good with with Millwall that 
I don't think I don't think he's the same player that he was when he left. I think you no, know, he, I'd agree. And plenty of uh, plenty of time up in the northeast and and under Neil Warnock, you know, it it, it beats the man <laughs> down to an extent. It, it beats you uh, down, you know. That's yeah, right. so so he's he's not hit the ground running this year, and he's like particularly on the ball today. He's normally quite tidy on the ball and won't really give it away without without doing too much. But even today was was quite sloppy with it and. We're used to seeing him getting forward into the box. I don't know if it's a Rowett thing of of telling him not to, but you know, whenever Rowett speaks about him, he says that's what he's there to do. He's there to get forward, and mm. even now he 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 did it. He had it did not a chance, but almost where he thought he might be able to shoot around the edge of the box. He had it, obviously had that one late against Bournemouth that he he sliced, and he almost needs unleashing. You know, he needs he needs a bit of a free reign. But I think when you're trying to be disciplined and you've only got a midfield two. Who, who need to work hard and, and maybe our our threat comes from out wide. Potentially, he's, he's a bit limited in it. But, uh, it, yeah. you know, question for, for Rowett of, you know, do you drop him? Because, I mean, he's probably, he's started almost every game this season and while the, the midfield cast around him has changed and you wonder, you know, obviously he's, he's, he's out slightly at the moment, but is Leonard and Mitchell going to be a, going to be a start in midfield too that we see soon? I mean, Leonard... When he gets in the midfield too, he, he's normally excellent. You know, we've seen him get forward. Hole was it last yeah. season or yeah. before the, the absolute rocket he got down there? So, is it a matter of potentially giving Savile a break? I can understand not taking him out for someone like Keaton Bold or even Evans because that is maybe particularly defensive. But yeah, but, I, I, I agree. Spell um, out of the limelight, maybe. I mean, one thing I will say for Rowett is that he um, he maybe takes his time a little bit, but he does reach a ruthless decision in the end. And I, you know, at times today, the conditions were not easy, listeners. I mean, if you you know, I'm sure I'm telling you what you know already, but it was it was chucking it down up there at um, at Hull, which made the pitch heavy, which didn't make it. I mean, best in the world would have struggled to look good on that uh, in that, in that situation. So, um, but this has been really for some time that George Savage looked slightly. Um, I don't know, sedated almost. He doesn't look half the player that he used to be. Um, and, you know, when, when Evans came in today, maybe I, I would have preferred, Leonard wasn't on the bench, but I would have preferred Ryan Leonard. But I was quite pleased to see George Evans coming in, which is not a sentence that you ever expect to say. Um, yeah. yeah, loss of Bradshaw, loss of Ojo took any energy away from us. So we were reduced then to long balls at, at Matt Smith and that, that, that just didn't work out. So full time it finished yeah. 2-1. Um, it was a full-blooded game there, Ryan. I mean, as I said at the start, and, and just to finish this off, really, you, you can't ask for um, a, a more um, open style of game and then complain when you lose one because that's that's the way it goes. But I think today did leave you a slight sense that we should have, could have done better than getting beat 2-1 there. Yeah, I think, look at like you look back at the two games, I mean, you know, I know, I know. On the, the chat, Michael and, and Mike were really impressed with us against Bournemouth. And I think looking back for the, this week, really, you think we could have had six points in in four in four days, really, against Bournemouth. Probably, yeah. you know, could have or should have, have, have won there. And and even today, I think even a point wouldn't have been bad in the conditions, but a loss feels particularly harsh. And I think it would have been similar if, if we'd have lost that Bournemouth game. It would have it would have felt similar, really. We put in a a very similar performance, to be honest, and this time didn't get the rub of the green. I think individual errors again, I know I know Rowett does point to that a lot, but it, this this time it it really does seem like that was the case for the goals. I mean, other than those two chances, you know, did Bart have to make a save really? 
they, the hole weren't really threatening and, and those really having to pick just, the ball out and they you know that's, that's yeah it's, it's just sloppy sloppy play really and and, and yeah. Mill not being able to find the cutting edge I think Hull's keeper had a really good game that that save he did from the um I wasn't sure whose header I think that might have been Savile actually from from the corner got a little flick yeah. on the header and that was a, a phenomenal save and and this is where I say with the rub of the green on another day that falls to a Millwall player who then taps in but in this case their defender happened to be just in front of a phobie and, and managed to clear so it's I think in a, in a championship season, a full season, you know, late November this time of year, you get a result like that. And, you know, it's our, the commentator was saying, you know, that's our fifth loss now. Um, you know, we've had four, only Fulham have lost less um, right. than us. I think we were level with West Brom and, you know, they're the top two, top three sides. We're not losing games. That doesn't feel like a game we should have lost. It doesn't feel like a game we we deserve to lose. But, but like I said, with Hull on a run, you know, it's that classic thing of momentum and you're on a bit of a streak. You get you get the rub of the green, you get the, the yeah. roll of the dice sort of thing. You know, when Millwall went on their run under Harris a little while ago, there's, you know, a few games where we, we did squeak a win and we did, you know, get that lucky decision or or a lucky deflection or something. When when things are going your way, they, they seem to keep going your way. And that, for Millwall at the moment, it's about building momentum, building building that momentum, something we struggled to do under Rowett. You know, you said that before we came on, we seem to be, this season, especially, wait until we're a goal down to start playing, and yeah. it's become a trait. And and you know we, we are getting ourselves out of a hole a lot of the time, but when we don't, it, it is harder for us. And we just need to learn how to build momentum. Hopefully, the, these two performances they can kind of look past the results and and build on that. But at the same time, we don't coming into Christmas. You don't want to lose too much of a grip on, you know, or don't want to lose uh, your reach of the top six. You know, we want to at least be within three or four points of it, if not up in it by Christmas. We don't want to fall too far behind because of, of silly results like this, really. Achtung, Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. No, no. I mean, obviously, December, there's still four games, I think, to go across December. Um, and then a big January. I mean, depending on where we stand in the in the division, will govern 
any moves that we may or may not make um, when the, the transfer window opens. I presume for any any ins, there's got to be a few outs. I mean, the obvious outs, if they if deals can be reached, would be John Daddy. I can't see him if he's not playing and no. featuring now. He never really will, Ryan, will he? I mean, you know, no, he'll he'll be going. I'm sure. Oh, well, I say I'm sure he'll be going at some point. Um, yeah. But <laughs> or not January. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure. You know, it's it's well reported that you know he had offers in the summer and, yeah. and turned them down both in England and abroad. So whether that's a wage thing or a, it's it's not ideal. Hopefully, a, a season of not even stepping on a football pitch might might change his mind to an extent. Um, but yeah, losing, not, not even to... stepping on the under twenty three football pitch. Exactly, exactly. You can't even uh, can't. But then at the same time, that that makes him less appealing for anyone to come in for. You know, you think he about, would yeah. so on um, unfit like match match sharpness wise. Match so, sharp, yeah. No, so I agree. It's, it's not going to be. You know, if, uh, God, God bless the team that brings him in as their uh, thing to spark <laughs> a playoff push. You know, whether or not he ends up. Back in Iceland, I, I don't know, but you know Ben Thompson, another one who looks like he's probably, well, yeah, probably on his but, way out. Whether or not that's on a on a free when his contract goes, or if it's just a loan, or or however it goes, but definitely some outs before some ends. For I mean, for different reasons, Ben obviously leaves with um, with his head held high. He's just not been picked, and to some extent, I can see Gary Rowett's thinking there. I mean. It, that's, that, that that might be seen as harsh by some, but I can see that um, Ben needs to play and he's not going to be playing at Millwall. So um, John Daddy, Ben Thompson, and I guess, would you would you be looking to out Conor Mahoney or is he probably the least likely to? I mean, you know, he, he seems like, uh, to put it last week, a fragile Ming vase or you might get it in the British Museum. Um, yeah, exactly. Delicate, I mean, that, delicate flower. If they were looking to offload him, you know, that's uh, that's... It depends whether or not he's fit. And I think this year and last year, his record, his injury record has been a bit spotty. And again, yeah. he's another one who's just not even getting on a pitch. And no. makes it, I mean, if, if I'm sure obviously these, these talks are always ongoing at football clubs, but the decision will be is, is either they need to give him a new contract or sell him in January. Again, it's a, it's like a, a Jed Wallace situation again, but you know, with a much less valuable asset of, you know, Mill have paid over a million pounds for Conor Mahoney. And yeah, yeah. Got a tune out of him for three years. Amazing to think that he would have, you know, at the end of this season, he's been at the club for three seasons. And, you know, we'd always have that New Year's Day against Luton, but very little. <laughs> I feel um, like I've barely seen him. Exactly. Like he's <laughs> not, once or twice, you know. Yeah. And it's it's a real shame, you know, he, like you say, he, he looks bright, but then the injuries and then fades out of games and very patchy. And for Millwall to lose, if if they lose a player who they spent a seven figure fee on, for free, then it's gonna it's know, gotta hurt. Yeah, it's gonna hurt. That, you know, you've got to look be looking at people who sanction signings. And obviously that was made under Harris and but that's uh and obviously yeah. we've got new head recruitment now. But that that raises serious questions at a club where money's tight and money isn't isn't great. If if Jed goes as well and we don't reap in a, any cash for him, that's two big big outlays or, or potential incomings that we could have got him, you know, in the other direction that that have not worked and and to put the club in a difficult position almost. I'm going to give you Svengali style godlike powers at Millwall at the start of January, Ryan Loftus. If presuming that um, John Daddy, if we can if we can wipe the slate clean of the um, of, of of the players that are not featuring, and 
presuming that we are in a position to <clears throat> do do deals. Um, would you strengthen by maybe taking if there's an offer for Jed? Would you would you maybe take that offer to strengthen? If so, how would you? Where would your mind be working to improve the current squad? Um, would that so feature Jen go, Jed going out? Even I mean, I, I, I'm not drawn to that solution. But what do you think? Yes, yeah, so hard the um, the Jed situation. I mean, I think selling him in January would be almost an admission from the club that you know playoffs might not be on the cards. Yeah, we ain't going up. Yeah, yeah. That, I think that's the that's the issue. And and I, I was, you know, like I was, I was saying in our chat the other day, and I was, I was chatting to a couple of the guys on, on Wednesday at Bournemouth and. It's really hard to see where he'd go for me. Like I said, like looking at the table and and where teams are, the only two sides I could see would be West Brom or Stoke, and I I also can't really see that coming off because everyone else, you know, if Jed wants to play in the Premier League, like he doesn't mm. he doesn't hide away from that. You know, he's an excellent Championship player, has been a great servant for the club, and does deserve a shot at the Premier League. Absolutely. I I don't know, obviously, because he's never had that step up. I can't see a Premier League side maybe gambling on him. I, potentially, I might be wrong. You know, he wouldn't be very expensive, obviously, with his contract being up. If they did want to give him a go in January and you know risk it, and especially for the likes of you know maybe not Newcastle now with the amount of money they've got, but mm. say Norwich, who you know look like they might be going down, but yeah. look, we can risk Jed Wallace six months if he doesn't quite work out in the in the in the Premier League. We'll have him for the Championship next year, and we know he's an excellent Championship player, so. You know, is that an option for a Premier League side? Otherwise, in the Championship, Jed wants a shot at the Premier League, so he needs to go to a side where confident uh, promotion is more or less, you know, not guaranteed, but more more likely than not. At yeah. the moment, the top two are sewn up, and I can't see Fulham or Bournemouth taking him. West Brom, that's why I say them. They look, you know, the third likely contenders to be going up. But if they end in the playoffs, you know, that's a lottery again. The Stoke, Stoke are, you know, look like they might end up in the playoffs. A lot can change and the second half of the season, but everyone else around there, you know, QPR, Coventry, even Luton coming up, you know, look at Barnsley. Barnsley were in the playoffs last year and they're now yeah. the yeah. on go down. So yeah, yeah. Does Jed I th- I think the best course of action probably is to keep him. And I think that's what the club will want to do, you know, keep him as long as they can until uh until they can sign him. You know, I reckon what they need to do is is get Max or or someone dressed up in the crowd. <laughs> ask for a Jed. Jed, can I can I get your signature? And uh, accidentally, oh, sorry, it's a three-year extension. Sorry, Jed, I, I didn't realise that was a you know maybe maybe it's a bit of those sort of tactics of uh, you know, <laughs> completing a deal that way. But uh, slightly over, it might sour the relationship. But you know, contract's a contract, and you have got to honour it. But then you're honouring. Yeah. Other than that, Nick, to be honest, I think it's still the the age-old. Can we find a number ten? Can we find that creative player to? Because, like we said, we saw it today. Aphobia and Bradshaw, you know, they're viable strikers. Rowett's saying praising Aphobia in the week about yeah. you know, thinks he's one of the best in the division, and I think historically he has been. Yeah, we just need a player who can play around the edge of the box, create some chances, and we and... saw a bit of that today, though, Ryan. I mean, I, you know, there have been times this season where I thought, oh, well, Benic Aphobia, maybe not what he's being cracked up to be, and you know, then you read praise from. Gary Rowe, we saw a very good performance from uh, from Benick in, on Wednesday. And I'm going to keep banging on about the past because it's one of those little moments that lifted my spirits, listeners. But it, these these are top quality moments. And you, 
that's actually a very hard resource to tap into <laughs> when you're not the biggest club and you're not swilling around with big money and you've got to be, you know, as, as we've touched on some of the wastes of money with, um, you know, some of the players. So we don't have much uh, room for, for error. So a player of Benick standing, yeah. I mean, I, I think Gary Rowe is right. He does look top class, top quality. Mm. And it's quite hard to come across that. Um, but we... Uh, the creative number 10, that's the mythical beast. It's like, um, you know, does it exist even out there at our level? I don't know. Um, yeah, you've got to put your hand in your pocket. You know? Yeah, I think that's exactly it. I mean, we, we went in for Josh Windass, I think, in the summer and Sheffield Wednesday were just looking for ludicrous amounts of money. I think we were offering six figures and they were coming back three, four million pounds. And, you know, we're, we're not going to be paying that for players regardless. No, and, no. You know, since then, he's, I think he's done his ACL or very very long-term injury so it doesn't even seem like we can really come in for him in January again but it's uh we don't do very well with big money signings Ryan I mean I'm just just going to look at um I can't remember how much we signed John Daddy for um he wasn't I think it it was around I think it was around 750 grand yeah I think it was reasonably yeah well it wasn't cheap I think that's 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 the the best way to put it um and you know we we tend not to do very well with with big money um, undisclosed. Phil, John Daddy Budvarsson listeners undisclosed fee thought to be seven hundred and fifty thousand. Um, Connor Mahoney, um, AFC Bournemouth undisclosed, but thought to be one point two million. So that's two million pounds worth of talent that you and me are talking about ordering an Uber exactly. cab or a black cab, I should say, with our listenership. Exactly, and you just know you Victoria just know Station. You just know in the playoff final 2023 is going to be John Daddy Bodvarsson sprinting off, cupping his ears as uh, as Coventry go up in the, at our expense. You know, he's going to be he's going to be reliving that celebration. It'll be a great ball in from Mahoney and John Daddy Bodvarsson right on the edge. But, uh, as would be yeah. the middle play to uh, to release those two fellas and and yeah. you know maybe Ben Thompson as well coming back to haunt us. But it's hard to make work. It's a uh, it's it's not an easy business this football. I think finding value in the championship is is an incredibly hard job. And over the last few years, Mill haven't been great at it. Um and it is something that they need to fix. I think if you look at the, the players Rowett's brought in, you know, there are some potentially some more positives there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it seems to be clicking a bit. I think it would be hard to argue that I think Mason Bennett's been decent. Obviously, yeah. Ballard's been fantastic on loan. Scott Malone's offered something when he's come back in. Seems to be really good. Um, again, we're saying a phobia on loan as well. You know, Ryan. Ojo, Woods, I, I like I like the look of Ojo, Ryan. I think yeah, Ojo looks good. But again, a lot of a lot of these are loans. I think yeah, George yeah, Evans, yeah. Uh, again, uh, a yeah. bit of a marmite character, but probably yeah. offers a bit of quality and a, a style of midfielder that we haven't had. And you know, until the the performances we've been discussing, George Savile seemed like a great bit of business as well. So. It seems yeah. like in the right direction, but um, we'll we'll have to see what the club can do in January. It's definitely just fiddling the numbers and making a bit of room in the budget, and it but it's hard for players to come in and have an impact in in you know six months of a season. It's it can be it can be tri- tricky to bring them in and accommodate them. So you know it might be working with what we've got for the time being. Nick, it might be more of the same for the uh, for the foreseeable. <laughs> There we are. Today's loss leaves us 10th in the table. Not um, disastrously out of touch with the top six, but QPR now in sixth spot on 32 mil in 10th on 27, so five points and one, two, three, f- three, four clubs in front of us. 
Um, on to Birmingham at the weekend. Huge thank you to Mr. Ryan Loftus for taking time on your Saturday night. Thank you, Ryan, for joining us. Very welcome. Thanks for having me on, as always, Nick. And uh, we'll play out with um, a voicemail received from Mike Hayden. So uh, until the next edition, dear listeners, probably be at the weekend, I'd guess. Until then, it's uh, Arriva Dirty Millwall. Bye for now. Achtung, Millwall. Mike Hayden here, following that disappointing 2-1 defeat to Hull from the warmth of my living room. Um, firstly, credit to the Millwall supporters who went up there today. Long trip uh, and in a storm as well. Uh, horrendous conditions in Hull. Um, first half was poor. Um, I think we maybe struggled with the conditions a bit. I know it's the same for both teams, but lots of misplaced passes, which you could probably expect you know, in, in those really windy conditions. And it was a really scrappy game. Um, poor goal to concede. Um they just didn't track runners. Um, I'm pretty sure it was George Savile who should have been back in the box, um, completely unmarked for, for their goal. Um, you know, Savile was sort of in no man's land and, 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 and they score. Um, Hull kind of deserved to go into half-time 1-0 up. Um, we scored a good goal, um, a phobie, nice ball through and a really confident finish from Tom Bradshaw who I think deserved to start today following his performance uh, against Bournemouth when he came on uh, in the week. Um, and then I thought we looked quite good after the break. I mean, we started to make chances, um, but then obviously a bit of a sucker punch with them scoring Again, a Millwall player's ball watching. I think there was about three or four players around the person. I don't know who had the original shot, um, but then obviously, you know, Bart spilled it, which, um, you know, it was a hard shot. Can't blame him for that. And, and then tapped in. You know, no one was marking him. Um, so again, it was another poor goal uh, to concede. Um, and, and then I think, you know, we created some chances. There were a couple sort of hacked off the line. Um, we looked quite good going forward. Um so I was a bit confused why Rowett brought on Matt Smith uh, because if I'm honest, it looked like we might get an equaliser. If I uh, if I'm honest, we had it looked quite good going forward, um, few chances as I say. So um, you know, it wasn't like we weren't creating anything or nothing was happening. Well, I think we were, but to bring on then Matt Smith, um, it kind of just petered out. Um, I know maybe it could have been a game for him to cause some chaos with the conditions, but. Because we were attacking quite well, I, I really didn't see the point in bringing Smith on. Um, and then another strange change was George Evans coming on. Um, you know, we're not we're chasing the game and we bring on Evans, which is kind of a bit of a strange move. Um, so I, th- I think I don't think we necessarily deserve to lose. It was a it was a pretty poor performance, but I think probably a draw would have been fair. But it's disappointing because we're just. Well, I don't think we've we've won in three now. Um, and, you know, following the, um, you know, I guess real pleasing performance in the end against Bournemouth. And then, you know, to see that is, you know, the inconsistencies kind of creeping back in. And, you know, I thought we would go there and win today. Um, however, credit to Hull, I didn't actually realise, but that's four wins on the spin for them. So, you know, they're clearly on a good run of form. But I think a draw would have probably um, been fair. I think it's about time George Savile got dropped. Um, he's not doing enough for me uh, in the team. Um, I think there's other midfielders. Um, I mean, maybe like quite like to see Kifton Bell and, and Billy Mitchell play together, um, and perhaps when uh, you know Leonard's fit, perhaps Leonard and Mitchell. 
Um, but, you know, I think Savile seems to be one of the only players apart from Jed Wallace who's basically guaranteed a start. Um, well, alongside, obviously, the, some of the defenders. But but I don't think he his performance has warranted, you know, a, a definite start. Um, so I'd like to see him dropped, I think, and, and bring someone else in. But, yeah, it's a disappointing um, day today. I, I thought we could go there and win uh, and to come out, you know, with no points is... Is, is a tough one to take, um, but there we go. On to the next one. Come on, you lines. Thank you for listening to Aston Media. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a cheeky little review. However, direction you all. Till next time. Who do you want to watch? <laughs> Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.